Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. That's not what social is about. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be real. Um, it's the place where you connect and where you go to escape, you know? So when you want to talk to your community through social, you have to think about putting out entertaining type of content where they can go and escape, but it also has to be informative because you, you want to talk about your brand. So we, we call it infotainment. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. Now, if you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Brendan Kumarasamy of Master Talk and Dr. Tendai Vicky of Strategizer, then do go listen. But only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Brooke Sellis. Brooke is the CEO and founder of B Squared Media, an award-winning done-for-you social media management, advertising, and customer care agency. She also is the co-host of the top-rated Marketing Companion podcast with marketing legend Mark Schaefer. Brooke's marketing mantra is think conversation, not campaign. So be sure to give her a shout-out on social media. Her company, B Squared Media, is a boutique digital marketing agency specializing in done-for-you social media advertising and social-first customer care management with a focus on results. Her clients range from small to enterprise-sized brands. In our discussion today, Brooke talked to me about tapping into customer conversations that are already happening by using social listening. She explained how to shift your focus from vanity metrics to a return on conversation. And she explained more about her philosophy of think conversation, not campaign, and how that will drive results. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Brooke Sellis. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, all the way from New Jersey in the USA, Brooke Sellis, who's the founder and CEO of B Squared Media, a digital marketing agency specializing in done-for-you social media advertising and social-first customer care management. 
which is a fascinating topic that I'm looking forward to exploring. Brooke is also co-host of the Marketing Companion podcast with Mark Schaefer, who was our guest on episode 324 of the Innova Buzz podcast. So welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Brooke. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And a big shout out to Mark, of course, as well. Now, yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, before we dive into social media, marketing, advertising, customer care, uh, what, what drove you to start B Squared Media and what drives you today? Well, it's a very long answer, but I'll try to give you the short version, which is in another lifetime, I actually worked in nonprofit for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation down in Dallas, Texas. And they asked me with figuring out how to get young people involved uh, as fundraisers for the charity. And I thought about it and I thought the best way to try to get people involved was through social media, which at the time was early Facebook. So there were only profile pages and uh, the other way was through beer. So uh, what we did is we created, I mean, back then it was basically a page, like the profile picture had a logo and it was a, it was called generation cure. So we created a page before there were pages. And what we ended up doing was recruiting about 7,500 people to attend the pub crawl and then ended up raising $60,000 for the charity. So that was when the seed was planted. I kind of realized like, hey, there's a there there with social media, right? It has actual like business implications. It's not just a, a place to hang out with friends. Hmm. Yeah, it's a place where you can actually connect with people and get them to take some action. Definitely. Yeah. So that planted the seed. And then in 2012, I ended up starting B Squared Media um, and actually providing social media services for our clients. Hmm. So what drives you today and what, what are the, some of the philosophies behind what you do for clients? I think it's still some of the same philosophies that I had, you know, back then, uh, forever ago in like 2006-ish, um, which is, you know, connecting people through social in a smart way, but also making sure that, you know, that you get results from what you're doing, right? That you're not just like posting out there in the ether, that, um, you know, what you do is, is strategic and data-driven and ultimately meets your business goals or, or key performance indicators. Mm. Yeah, that's a, a point that I'd like to explore a little bit more because you talk about key performance indicators. And one of the things that I still find quite a lot, I, I think it's improved a bit, but I still find a lot people talking about, I've got so many likes or I've got so many friends or connections on LinkedIn and and this post has gotten so many um so many views and i think well yeah but what what are the results out of that because what what were you aiming to do and what what happened so what's your yeah. experience with that i think a lot of people still do that unfortunately um i call those people impression marketers <laughs> um and there's a lot of impression marketers out there and you know, I feel bad for, for calling them out, but it, it's true. You know, there are a lot of people who still will tell you, oh, I got you this many eyeballs or I got you this many likes on your post or your website, 60% um, of your website traffic comes from our social media. Wonderful. Those are all great things because there's movement. But at the end of the day, like how is that meeting a key performance indicator? How, how is that helping you grow your business? Um, I don't 
necessarily think that it is helping you grow your business unless it leads to something else, some kind of action. Mm, yeah, like you, your example with the um, getting the community together for the pub crawl. It wasn't the pub crawl. It was the end game. It was the fundraising. Exactly. You know, um, yes, I guess we had a few different right KPIs. We had to get people from that Facebook page to the website yeah. to then sign up, to then pay us their money, to then attend the pub crawl. So, you know, it's multifaceted, but I think that's that's what all marketing should be. Social media should be cyclical with your other marketing efforts and business goals. Hmm. Okay, so in terms of of posting then, how do we how do we craft our posts on social media in a way that well gets I mean gets people to see it and take notice, but also gets them to take whatever action it is that we're asking them to take? Yeah, I would say that we want our clients to focus on what we call return on conversation. So how can we get people to talk to us, social media? And then also how can we get people to talk about us on social media? And one of the best ways we found our clients um, being able to do this is through what we call BTS or behind the scenes content. And we have you know, a wide range of clients from small mom and pop shops to solopreneurs all the way up to inter enterprise sized brands. And what we see no matter the industry, no matter the size, is that behind the scenes content uh, where you're posting kind of what's happening behind the scenes um, always, always, always performs best and usually, not always, but usually results in some sort of conversation. Hmm. Yeah, so that um, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned uh, before the recording, you mentioned about the blooper reels and and yes. an example of of behind the scenes yeah so i was saying if you think about watching your favorite movie right or any movie for that matter if you think about the movies that have those blooper reels where the actors at the end are messing up or saying funny things or just being themselves that's always very memorable sometimes you remember the the blooper reel more than you might remember the movie right um Think of behind the scenes content as that blooper reel. It doesn't have to be a, a blooper reel. It doesn't have to be mistakes, but it's just, it's showing the human side of what happens inside of this logo or this mm. brand, right? It's showing that you're also human on the other side. That's right. And, and it's because, I mean, a lot of businesses that do or video is a, a good example. If we're talking movies, um, they're, they often spend a lot of money doing a video so therefore that video is carefully scripted and everything's i mean it's a movie it's a little movie really and uh the ones that actually connect with you are the ones where they put at the end they, where they misspeak or something and i was doing um an intro and outro to uh, my podcast i was doing some bulk recordings of them recently so i'd record a separate intro and outro just summarizing what we spoke about and i did one and i can't remember the word now that i was <laughs> but i stumbled over it and then i re-recorded and stumbled over the word again and, and i kind of said to myself why are you why are you having such difficulty saying this word and then i just said it you know and i thought that would be a great blooper reel but i didn't use any what? of it yeah you know? 
You should put that out. I mean, so this is, I've talked about this with Mark before. We've had these like technical difficulties or like, you know, we've said a bad word or, you know, we can't spit out the word we're trying to say, or we like made up a word. Like we should totally put together a blooper reel to show that because at the end of the day, you know, it's still, it's, it's a person talking to another person. Mm. And as Mark says in his uh, last book, which was a marketing rebellion, the most human company wins. And ultimately, that's what we should be trying to do with social. It still is about the, the, the social and the human connection at the end of the day. And people go there to be entertained, you know? So I feel like that's where a lot of brands are still failing is they go to social and they try to use this like buttoned up strategy. And it's very like you know, scripted, like you're saying, and that's not what social is about. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be real. Um, it's the place where you connect and where you go to escape, you know? So when you want to talk to your community through social, you have to think about putting out entertaining type of content where they can go and escape, but it also has to be informative because you, you want to talk about your brand. So we, we call it infotainment. You know, you've got to work on your infotainment posts. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, the idea of making things human. I mean, I talk a lot about making marketing human, but the you, you, the blooper reels are particularly. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm thinking back. I can't think of a movie right now, but particularly if it's a, a more serious movie, and each of the actors, of course, has a role to play. So they're they're playing this role, and whilst each character that they're playing is a, a human character and if it's a really good actor that you build that connection during the movie with that character but the really interesting one for me is the the evil person the bad person in in the movie in the story right yes. and and if they then come back in a blooper reel and all of a sudden that bad person becomes the clown or the comic or the you know and you think oh that, yes. they're actually really nice as a person the actor <laughs> whereas have you right watched through... did you watch uh the boys the superhero series the boys no no okay well it's it's very not safe for work but um <laughs> but the, the bad guy on the boys uh he, they had a blooper reel that they yeah. put out on social media to promote season two yeah. and you got to see the the bad guy you know as his human self and he's actually quite lovely you yeah. know he's like kind of a teddy bear and very <laughs> and it made you even want to watch season two more because he's such a good bad guy but then you were like oh my god he's like totally lovable in yeah. real life now i want to see it even more yeah yeah that's right and so it is about that human connection isn't it um one of the things, you know, one of the things you mentioned is the idea of providing information, but also entertainment and combining that. So how, how can we do that when we're setting up a, a post, an individual post, or when we're setting up a campaign? And I know you don't talk campaigns, but we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, like I said earlier, like the behind the scenes content is such a great way to entertain people because... We are so fascinated. Like, think of all of, the, again, I keep leaning on TV here, but not on purpose. Think of all of the TV shows that, like, show you behind-the-scenes stuff or, like, how it's made, right? 
you would think that would be so boring, like how they make the the rivets for banners. But but people love those shows or like even like I, I'm into like murder mysteries, but they have like Dateline in 2020, hugely popular shows which have been running for years and years and years, decades. Um, they go behind the scenes of the murder. They to like the family. They talk to the police. They, you know, they talk to the potential suspects before they catch the bad guy kind of thing like we love that we're, we have this natural curiosity of hu as humans so if you can answer that natural cur curiosity with the behind the scenes content that you have you'll be doing a good job of, of doing infotainment because it's on brand you're at you know you're at your shop or you're talking about your products but it's behind the scenes so you're also showing the humans it's probably entertaining and it's it's giving us a peek behind the curtain, which we feel special if we get to see. Mm. Yeah, I like I like that. I, I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, it's tapping into curiosity, and and you mentioned that then as we went forward. So you were on the same wavelength. All right. So um, your motto though is think and think conversation, not campaign. So I used the word campaign a moment ago. So what what do you mean by that? I think you know. Again, I, I'm all into KPIs and data-driven information and making sure that we're meeting goals. But at the same time, we have to realize that we're marketing on a very different platform, right? Social media is still being defined. We're still trying to put the definition around what social media is. It's still the Wild West of what's happening. Um, so... I think instead of focusing on the campaign, it's smarter to focus on the conversation and let the campaign come out of that. Hmm. So how, how do you focus on the conversation then? Well, how, you know, it starts by asking that question, like how can we get people to talk to us or how can we get people to talk about us? Um, if you have a wild and crazy budget, you can create, you know, a wild and crazy video that might go viral or get people talking about you. But if you're on Twitter, which happens to be my most favorite social media platform, you can see that a lot of the tweets that go viral, I don't know if you saw this week, and this was in the US, so we have different filters, but this whole tweet about somebody asking about where do people shop for toilet paper and Sprite and peanut butter, peanut butter M&Ms if they don't have a bodega. Well, in New York City, that's what we call these little, um, not not even full-on supermarkets. They're little, you know, tiny micro supermarkets. Mm. And they're like, how do you get these things if you don't have a bodega? And then people were saying, well, we go to Walgreens or I go to CVS or whatever it is. But like that tweet from that person, that like musing about toilet paper <laughs> and Sprite and peanut M&Ms went viral. Because it's, it's, again, it goes back to that like curiosity thing. Like, you know, it, it could be stupid. It could be easy. It could be hard. It could be all of the above. But like you have to start getting creative and thinking about the conversation should be at like the center of everything that you do. How can I get people to talk to me or about me? Hmm. And that means you're probably going to have to take a stance too. You know, I think we've seen a lot of brands um, with some of these social causes that have been um coming out lately um take a stand like they're picking a side and i think that that helps get that conversation going and it helps people also become more loyal if they're on the same side hmm. is it 
is it tapping into conversations that are already happening anyway? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. Social listening is one of the most missed strategies slash tactics that I think the majority of brands are missing. And what I mean by social listening is going beyond what is said to you or mentioned about you and looking, uh, using software to look at the conversation as a whole. So the conversation in your industry, the conversation around your brand, which would obviously include like maybe major stakeholders, um, major players, your brand's uh, products or services, and then also your competitors. Huge, huge, huge opportunity to look at your competitors and see what people are saying about them in a positive way and in a neutral way and in a negative way. You can learn so much. Now take just that little piece, the competitor piece, and like, oh my God, your world has just expanded with all kinds of things you can do. And then add in industry, you know, conversation plus your own branded conversation. And I mean, there's endless ideas that can come out of social listening. Mm, yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit, um, this is a little bit analogous, I guess. One of, one of my guests suggested that um, if you go to Amazon and look at books in your particular area and look at the reviews and particularly the negative reviews, because mm -hmm. what people say in those negative reviews are the gaps or the things that are missing or the things that they didn't, get the result that they were looking for when they read that book and so there's the <laughs> there's the opportunity for you to jump in and say well that person missed this bit or they you know they got this bit wrong so can I do that different can I address yes that? yes 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 a yes you can do it differently yes oh my gosh yes like this person like you're just like you're the perfect client I wish every client like came to the table like you because you totally get it um Yes, social listening would also be looking at those reviews, but it looks all over the web. It looks all over social, blog comments, you know, uh, forums, and it's in, in real time bringing you back all of this information and then in real time slicing it and dicing it into well, this is negative, this is positive, this is neutral, um, into themes, you know, conversational themes. And, you know, if we were to try to do this as humans, it would be like trying to take a sip from a fire hose. <laughs> You know, it would take our faces off, but this software essentially allows us to gather all of this crazy, amazing information in real time. And then when you, when you present that information to super smart humans or marketers, they can start to say, oh my gosh, this is how we differentiate. This is what we should say that our competitors aren't saying, oh my gosh, uh, our competitor event bombed because they did this. So let's market our event do opposite you know just all kinds of hmm. information can come from those conversations yeah highlights a lot of opportunities all right now the other part of that social listening and i know you do this a lot is customer care now um often you know people think okay we're at a disadvantage here because the competitors have a much bigger marketing budget and they can outspend us in social advertising or whatever whatever they might be spending on um, but you can always out care your competition i say that's you know that's that's everybody has the capability to out care their competition so how do you um, use social media in that customer care capacity 
Yeah, you're exactly right. So, you know, when we when we're talking about advertising, a lot of times our competitors are spending millions of dollars on ads and we don't have that kind of budget to compete. But one of the areas, uh, the least competitive areas is customer care. And what's so interesting about customer care is I feel like people look at it like advertising. They feel like it's not scalable because they feel like customer care or customer experience, if we want to use one of the like Mm. fancy, sexy, hot words, Um, they feel like customer experience is rolling out the red carpet for every single customer every time they contact you. And that feels unachievable, right? It feels like you can't scale that. And I think people have customer experience and therefore customer care wrong. It's not about rolling out the red carpet or uh, topping every experience. It's about making every experience easier and easier. Hmm. It's finding the places where you can remove something that makes it easier and easier for the customer to get to you. And and that's where we came up with customer care, our customer care services, because, because more people are using social media and because younger people are not as apt to pick up the phone or send an email, they're using social media to voice their complaints, their their compliments as well to ask questions, to figure out how to change the, the paper tray when they have a paper jam or something like that. And their printer, they're going to social media to ask these questions. And what's happening is that most brands are not responding right. at all or not responding in a timely fashion. So, so where we came in and, uh, and what we said was like, hey, we'll, we'll handle this for you. We'll take care of all those customer care questions. They may not be a complaint that you get, um, and we'll ha- we'll also use social listening to help make this a, a a proactive service versus a reactive service. So not only will we you know handle what's coming to us, which is reactive, we'll help you become a proactive social media company by using social listening and going out and finding things that are being said about us or about our competitors or whatever it may be, and and, and joining in on that conversation. So you're amplifying, you know, the scale is so much easier. Hmm. Do you have a a good example of where that's made a big difference to a company? Yeah. So we uh, started working with in January of 2020, which (laughs) is interesting because we thought 2020 was going to be a normal year, right? (laughs) And then it turned out to be a crazy year. Um, So we launched with a... uh, a company, Brother International, which you probably know. They do Mm. sewing machines and printers um, to help them with their customer care. And before we had helped them uh, with with customer care on social, they had an internal customer service team who was handling everything that came in. So every phone call, every email, every social media question. And keep in mind, like, how many product lines Brother Mm. has. They have sewing machines. They have label makers. They have printers. So um, there was a lot. The volume's very high. And essentially before they, we, before they started using B Squared Media, it took them on average on Facebook around 20 to 25 hours to complete, you know, to answer a question about one of their products. And now that uh, B Squared has come on to help them, we're answering questions for them in under an hour. 
So we took out a whole day of that process, which was really important because when you look at customer care statistics and, and consumers using social media for help, they want a response in less than an hour. That's what their expectation is. And then we also helped them and handle more volume of response. So before we came on board, they were only able to handle the negative things that came through, which is understandable. Those are the first things you want to get off your plate. But now that they have a whole team, an extra team behind them, we're handling all of the positive um, compliments that we're getting on the brand too, which helps us with user-generated campaigns and helps us find those conversations that we can then use in other marketing campaigns or with, with peer-to-peer connections. Or, you know, it's led to more positive outcomes for the brand, in, even in just answering those positive conversations. Hmm. Yeah, great example. And um, you mentioned something there that I think is a, is a key in the social media space, particularly if people are asking questions, they do, um, they do want a quick response. Now, I know in my case, and I've had a couple of really um, doozy examples this year of uh, customer service, and part of that might have been uh, complicated by the fact that COVID was there and we've had this lockdown. But, you know, when you're told at a, at a time when... Uh, everything was locked down and we were only allowed out of the house an hour a day for exercise. And, and I was told, I'll oh, bring your phone into the service center and we'll get it fixed straight away. Oh, well, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. Where how are, exactly? <laughs> how's that going to work? <laughs> where are you? And, and I ended up in that instance going to social media because I thought, well, maybe I'll get a, a quicker response there or a more appropriate response. And part of it was, this is now visible. I'm not just talking anonymously to one person at, at the other end of the chat line or the phone. This is now public. So hopefully somebody will care about the image that they're projecting and, and say, oh, we will help you and we'll make this really easy. But no, that wasn't the, that wasn't the case, actually. But um, That's so, unfortunate. Yeah. 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 But that instant response is really important, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I think, too, one of the things that we've learned in, in introducing this new service, we, we beta tested it for two years with some of our clients before we released it to the public. Um, and one of the big things that we learned during that two-year test was that your your internal customer service and your social media customer service do have to somewhat match. So one of our clients, um, I can't mention them by name, but they are a, a large, um, they're a global luxury appliance brand. And they wanted us, our, our key performance indicator for response times on social was 10 minutes. We had to respond to people within 10 minutes. And we said, bring it on. We got you. We're going to do it in <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes. And we did. But what was happening that their average response time for the call-in center was 90 minutes. And so what would happen when people up on the phone and they would realize that they would get a quicker response on social <laughs> and then they would complain about the call-in service. So what, one of the things that we realized is your social media customer care has to match your call center or email customer care. So we actually had to back, they backed our KPI up to 90 minute response time because they didn't want us competing with their internal mm. team. And that's, a, that's a smart strategy. You have to be realistic. Yeah, so. and and also, I mean, it's about the whole brand promise, isn't it? And particularly if you're a luxury brand, then the you talked about 
customer experience before and and, and um, it's the whole experience now there's there's a lot of talk now about customer experience and i've been talking about it for a long time and do you think there's there's a bit of a risk that this is becoming the new buzzword for 2020 or 2021 um, and yes. and we lose sight of what it actually means I, I I totally think it's a buzzword. I I get behind it because to me it leads to my own buzzword, which is customer care, hmm. right? How much do we actually care? And I said already how I think people get customer experience wrong because they think it's like topping and, you know, like a one-upper, you know, you can't possibly scale that. However, I do know that it truly is important because Salesforce, Matthew Sweezy at Salesforce, he's the futurist for Salesforce. He uh, did a presentation that I saw recently. It's also in his book, The Context Revolution. Mm. Um, and he basically, the Salesforce did this big study. And what they said was that consumers now rate the customer service or customer support that they receive the same as the product or service that they buy. Hmm. It's just as important as the product or the service that they buy. So is it a buzzword? Yes. Is it actually important to what all marketers are doing? A thousand percent. Yeah. So call it what you want. Customer care, customer That's support, right. customer experience. That's right. The, the name is less important, but the, the experience itself is is critical. And and I think, critical. Um, you know, I talk a lot about this in marketing. It's about uh, it's not about your product or service. It's about taking the person from a state where they're uncomfortable with something, whether it's they're in pain or whether they've got a need that's unmet, to the after state, which is where that pain's gone away, you've taken it away, or you've met that need in some form. And And yes, the product or service is critical to that, but so are a lot of other things that become part of that. And, and I think... Many people forget, many businesses forget that there's more than just the product or service. Oh, a thousand. I mean, we're humans. We are like the most complicated, <laughs> messy, nuanced thing. So to try to say, oh, you need a product, here it is, and think that that's the end of the story, you don't know very much about humans. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny. I had um, an experience the other day, and I thought, "Wow, that, there's an opportunity missed with that one." Um, I my I'm a among other things, I'm a coffee fan, and I've started getting into making my own cold drip coffee. And so oh. for my birthday, my wife bought me this cold drip coffee maker. And when I started out, the half of the coffee grinds were dry after I'd done the cold drip, and I thought, "Hmm." That's weird. And I followed the instructions precisely and there's videos by the manufacturer and I thought, yeah, it just didn't work. So so I played around and experimented and I made the slurry first and made sure everything was wet and put it in and it was a really messy and I thought, no, this isn't this isn't a good way to do it. And then I decided I'm gonna go onto YouTube here and do the old how to search. That's always my go to. And I thought I can't be the only person that's had this problem. Did the how-to search. And of course, up comes a video from the manufacturer of this particular cold drip um, brewer. And the videos from them describing exactly the problem I was having and describing the solution to the problem. And I thought, 
why doesn't that come up in there? Because I'd search that manufacturer's YouTube channel and it's not actually listed there. It's only when I searched exactly for that problem that came up and I thought, hmm, there's an opportunity missed. <laughs> yeah, a total opportunity. We had a similar situation happen with that luxury brand. Funnily enough, about one of the coffee makers that they have, but it was how to change the filter. Hmm. And we kept seeing like a negative conversation around changing this filter and this new new machine that they had and they were like oh we send a every machine comes with a service manual but the service manual is like the size of a shakespeare novel and we were like no no, no one is reading that it's 2020 no one is reading that you need to make a video of how to change the filter and then put it on the product page um, and they actually did that. And what we saw was the negative sentiment went down, but we also saw positive sentiment or like the positive conversation go up. Mm. So that's so funny that you said that because it's almost the exact same situation. Yeah. And it's so true. Like this, but that ties back to what I was saying earlier. Social listening showed us where the problem was. They didn't even really, it was, they got a few emails about it, a few phone calls about mm. it, but on social peer-to-peer -peer, like you and I were having this whole like conversation about how awful this machine was and then other people were diving in and we weren't tagging the brand but we were mentioning the product mm. and so the listener picked up on that and helped quantify that pain point to the client they didn't even know it was an actual pain point hmm. all right um now you you've talked about um tracking tools and how to how to keep track of or how to to the social listening through automation. And I think that's a, a beautiful example of automation. But talk to us a little bit more about the role of automation in all of this, particularly when you're building a conversation or starting a conversation and building relationships with people. Because I kind of think that a lot of people use automation to abdicate those relationship building things. Yeah. So, you know, we're old school, I guess, and if you can call a, a social first company old school, but we are already, right? Um, and we would like to put the humans first. Machines and automation and artificial intelligence has an amazing place. Uh, just like I said with social listening, you know, that's a software that uses machine learning and artificial intelligence. But the human, right, the, the, the machine, the software told us about this pain point, but we said to the client, hey, here's what you should do. You should make this video and put it on the product page. Um, so humans and machines, or for conversations, chatbots, work well in tandem, but you cannot take the human out. So for instance, if a client says, should I use a chatbot? Because I don't, I don't have the funds to outsource, uh, you know, our customer care to you. It's just me and one other person. I don't have the funds. I would say totally understandable. Everybody has a budget. Um, okay. What available times do, do you or that other person have to answer Facebook messages? If you're getting a lot of those messages and they might say, Oh, Monday through Friday from, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. are the only times I can, you know, have a human answer those questions. Great. Then set up a bot to answer on the other times and then immediately say, our humans are busy. There's only two of us, right? We're giving that human mm. story. Maybe even you have a picture of you two humans, you know, like frantically like Lucy and Ethel on the chocolate machine. You know, that, that gif, you know, frantically working. Our humans are frantically working right now. 
their human office hours are 10, uh, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Monday through Friday. But for now, you've got me and I'm just a chatbot. Here are the things I can help you with. You know, give the menu of options, the person clicks through, the bot set up to answer those frequently asked questions that they might get. What time are you open? When are your human office hours? Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. Um, you know, it can answer certain things based on keywords and then it'll just say like, hey, and if you want to talk to a human, we totally get it. It's going to have to be Monday through Friday from 10 to 2. Send us your email and one of us will get back to you. You know, so you can use automation or chatbots or artificial intelligence, but you cannot, and they can make you a thousand times better. They can help you scale, right? But you can't take the human out of the equation. You could take the machines out. You can't take the human out. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's a great example of, of using automated tools in a way that, that, adds the human element and and adds an element of kind of entertainment and information that you talked yeah. about earlier yeah the infotainment like be make sure it has a personality even though it's a bot give it your personality show that behind the scenes picture of of jurgen and brooke like totally frazzled you know like yeah. with papers everywhere like we're busy but we'll get back to you you know yeah yeah you've given me an idea i've got i've got one on mine that um is actually a video of me and and i invite people to respond and they, they have the option to respond by recording their own video or um an audio only or sending a, a text uh, which yeah which is kind of the, the starting a conversation thing mm. yeah yeah and think about how to start the conversation like you know, you could even be as blunt as saying, like, how do you want to start this conversation? And maybe it's like, tell me a joke, hmm. you know, like something so simple. And it could be a stupid knock knock joke. It doesn't have to be funny, but you'd be surprised, like how far consumers, people are willing to go with automation. But it has to have that entertainment value, because, again, that's the whole reason people go to social in the first place. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, telling a joke or something on there. <laughs> All right. Um, now, this is fabulous, Brooke. I'm just sort of aware of the time, so I think it might be a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I've got five questions, and hopefully you'll give us some answers that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Oh my God, I have the most boring answer, <laughs> <laughs> but I promise it will get you results, right? Because you know how much I love results. Yeah. Document everything. Mm. And even if it's just jotting stuff down in a notebook or a business diary, document everything that you do as a business owner. And then from that documentation, start to build out processes, right? So this is like the human automation of things. Mm. So, and then if you use, like I use a tool, uh, Basecamp, and I have built out literally all of my processes into repeatable and transferable punch lists so that anytime a new client comes on board, we know exactly what to do. Anytime they request a certain type of reporting, we know exactly what to do. Because as you grow and scale your business, right in the beginning for the first two and a half years, it was just me. But then I had to like knowledge transfer that to the next person mm. who I hired. 
And then they had to knowledge transfer that to the next person. And, you know, playing operator or telephone or whatever, things get lost in translation. So if you, the main person, document everything and then build out those processes that are, that are transferable and repeatable, you can scale easy peasy along the way. Yeah, yeah, that is gold, that advice. And, and it was highlighted to me, I mean, I'm a big fan of processes and documenting things, but it was highlighted to me a couple of days ago and I, I got a new client who um, sends out an email newsletter and he wants us to take that email newsletter and put it up onto his website. But the way it had been done in the past is as just a sim single HTML page. And, and so it's just a single page. So we basically kept that on um, for simplicity because he didn't want to change anything on the website and it's really just putting it on. So the first time I did it, I thought, well, how am I going to do this? And so I figured out how to how to actually get that email into HTML format real easily and then save the file, upload it and and make the page, add the link to the page where the newsletters were and so on. So there's a whole lot of sequence of steps involved. So I did yeah. that and I thought, oh, I feel really good now. I figured it out. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't do any more than that. So a month later, uh, the next newsletter comes through and I was like, okay, now how did I do that again? <laughs> And I went through the process again. And I should have known better, of course, but lots of other things on. So once it was done, a good tick, it's done. <laughs> I'll move on to the next thing. And the third month was this this week. Uh, actually, no, the third month was a month ago. And I thought, oh, how did I do this again? I thought, oh, uh -huh. I'm going to take the time to write this all down now. <laughs> and then I wrote it down. I thought, actually, I can I can shortcut this bit. And, and so that, first of all, in documenting it, I, I straight away identified some improvements. And this month, this couple of days ago, actually, um, I had got the newsletter again, the monthly newsletter, and I was, I've written this down, how to do this. So I went through my list and I was done in about a tenth of the time. Yeah. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> Doesn't that reinforce that is the it? That's key to scaling. Mm. And like I said, it's so boring and you will not have fun doing it. I'm not telling you it's going to be fun, but man, oh man, once you build out, I mean, we probably have hundreds of those lists mm. built out. I mean, you're just going to be like cooking with grease, as we say. In that's the right. Cell. Yeah. <laughs> and now that's a recipe. And as you say, you can give it to somebody else to do and and they can then give it to somebody else to do and train them. Exactly. And it's still it's still the same result. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? For me, honestly, lately, it's been um, making sure that I have personal time. Creativity is so um, hard to come by, I feel like, especially this year, which I'm sure everyone can relate to. Um, so for me, it's spending time completely away from work and home. I, I have a horse, so I go... Uh, groom my horse, ride my horse. And I have to be absolutely present in the moment because when you're riding a 1200 pound animal, it's very dangerous if you're not in the moment. And so I literally have to leave everything behind. And I have some of my best thoughts then because I have left it all behind and I'm doing something for myself. So self-care means so much to productivity, even though it sounds like that's not how it works. Hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. And, and particularly, I mean, I fall into this trap 
all the time. I think I don't, um, and bike riding is my passion where I get away or, or just go for a walk somewhere with my camera and take photographs. And I often think, oh, I don't have time to take an hour to do that right now because I'm busy. I've got to get these things done. Yeah. And every time I change that and say, no, I'm going to take an hour out, and then I come back and I'm so much more productive or or if there's a problem on my mind, I somehow I come back and, oh, I know the answer to that now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's magical how it works. But I think, you know, more now than ever, I realize how important it is. Hmm, great. All right. Now, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? That's tough. I have so many. <laughs> um. You know, honestly, I guess I would say I belong to a mastermind uh, where there's a group of four entrepreneurs and we just kind of like pull back the curtain and uh, share everything and anything with one another. And that's probably where I get the best feedback because there are people who are similar to me with similar, similar problems, different approaches, but it's so interesting to have someone challenge your approach or give you a different approach um, to help you be a better business owner. Hmm. Yeah, my, that's that's really great, isn't it? And there's, it's not just bouncing ideas off one another, but it's also that public accountability, I think, that, that is the value in, in a mastermind like that. Oh, yes. Hmm. Yeah. So if you tell somebody else, I'm going to do this, and then they come back oh, a yeah. week later, I mean, did you do next that? Next call, <laughs> did you do the thing? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Mm. You know, I think the most important thing for keeping any relationship on track, uh, whether it's personal or professional, is probably qualifying questions, asking qualifying questions. So when someone gives you a piece of information, what question can you ask to qualify to be sure that you understand what they're saying? and that you can deliver on what they're asking. So what are they saying? And and if they're asking me for something, deliver it. Hmm. And asking qualifying questions to help you get there. Because I think messy things, you know, we're humans and we all communicate differently. We all have different ideas, different way of doing things. There's no one way or no one right answer. So if we ask qualifying questions, um, we can better serve the relationship. And it also involves listening and showing that you care, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's um questions I've I've been fascinated recently that reading lots of different books about asking good questions and how to how to ask good questions. So what what are some of your favorite questions? What I love to say at a at a party, right? Or even if you're networking, people are always like, "What do you do?" Yeah. And I you know, it's just so overplayed. It's so cliche. So what I like to do, what I like to ask now instead is what do you like to do for fun? Hmm. Uh, or what, you know, what's your hobby? Like start with the fun piece. Even if you're at a networking event, it'll lead back to work, but it sets you apart immediately. It's that differenti hmm. differentiator, right? It's like everybody's going to say at the networking event, hey, Jurgen, what do you do? Tell me about your business. But if I start with what do you do for fun? And then you tell me, oh, I like to go on walks. I like to take pictures. And oh, I love nature. I have a horse. I, so I'm outside all the time. We're connecting on that human level. 
And then we're going to, you remember me at that networking event, even though we may not have even talked about business. Mm. Yeah, that's good advice. And and it starts a conversation coming back to, yeah. to what we were talking about before. Yeah. Again. <laughs> As opposed to what do you do? And then, oh, okay, that sounds good, but I'm not interested kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. Hmm. All right. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Hmm. I think probably just be you. It's just like we were talking about with that behind the scenes content. No one can steal that, right? We're in this world of like copycatting. Even the social media platforms are copycatting one another, right? I'm so sick <laughs> yeah. of hearing like, oh, and now this platform has come up with stories. Um, the one thing that someone else can't take from you is your story. If your story is uniquely you and you're truly yourself and you don't try to be anyone else, um, that will truly set you apart and no one can take that from you or, or copycat it or steal it. <laughs> mm. Yes, that's wonderful advice. And I mean, it, again, it's an answer that might not be that sexy, but it's actually the thing that works. And, and whilst, right. <laughs> whilst um, I mean, I'm all in favor of learning from other people or learning from uh, other businesses if if it's a business in terms of modeling what they do or deconstructing what their success is and learning from the strategies and so on. But yeah, when it gets to, you've got to draw the line at copying. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm glad you have that stance and so do I. But as you, as we all know, hmm. I think a lot of people don't share that stance any longer. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Brooke. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, maybe even reach out and say thank you for what you've shared today? Oh, certainly. You can check me out at our website, which is bsquared.media. So it's a, it's a not com. So it's bsquared.media. Or you can just Google my name, Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, last name Sellis, S-E-L-L-A-S. And I think I'm the only Brooke Sellis out there, at least that I've seen so far. So you'll be able to find all of the places where I am. Like I said, Twitter's my favorite platform. I'm always down for a conversation there. And my handle's just at Brooke Sellis. All right. And we'll have all those links in the show notes, of course, so that people can click straight through. Now, do you have any parting advice today for our listener? I think I'm going to have to be boring again <laughs> and go with our tagline because I, I mean, I, I picked it because I really truly believe in it and I think I've I've backed that up with plenty of evidence today but when it comes to social media or even just marketing you know think conversation not campaign mm. start and end with that conversation and the campaign will will come out of that conversation Yeah I love I love that tagline and it's kind of very consistent with our marketing philosophy of making marketing more human and you know, what's more human than a conversation? Exactly. Hmm. All right. Now, finally, who else should I get on this podcast and why? I think based on just our little, our small touch on automation and machine learning and artificial intelligence, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, you should talk to Katie Robert. She's the president of Trust Insights. Uh, you may know her, her partner, Christopher Penn. They do all so sorts of crazy, amazing things with artificial intelligence, automation, data. Um, she will just blow your mind on, on that whole 
that whole world. I'm I'm all for the human and she'll be all for the machine. And then we both kind of like meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a fascinating conversation. All right. Well, we'll um, get an intro to you, from you to Katie and reach out to her and see if we can get her on for a chat. Definitely. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Brooke. This has been fabulous. I've really enjoyed it. Of course, you know, we're very much aligned in our philosophies around social media and, and the marketing principle of um, being human, having conversations. So there's been lots here to learn from and I've, I've certainly learned quite a bit. So I wish you all the best for the future and let's stay in touch and keep this conversation going. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that engaging and insightful conversation with Brooke and took something away from her episode. Her emphasis on building connection and relationships with clients through conversation was my highlight and, of course, it's consistent with our philosophy of making marketing human. I'd love to know what you took away from Brooke's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Brooke Sellis. That is B-R-O-O-K-E-S-E-L-L-A-S. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Brooke Sellis. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Brooke, as well as links to the B Squared Media website, her social media pages, the Marketing Companion podcast, and the other resources we spoke about in today's conversation. Now, if you liked our conversation today, please share this recording with two other people that it might help. And as a reward for helping other people with this wonderful advice from Brooke, tag me in that share and I will then reach out to you with a special surprise. Brooke suggested that we have a conversation with Katie Robert of Trust Insights on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Katie, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Brooke Sellis. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast. We've got even more fantastic guests lined up, including Lingmo founder Danny May and creativity expert David Chislett. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.